Welcome to Be the Difference. Presented by Back to Back Ministries, continuing to be a voice for orphaned and vulnerable children around the world. And in this fall season of 2023, we want to invite you to join us in the story of Back to Back as we gather together in the Cincinnati area at Crossroads Mason, October 11th for a night of hope where we will share more stories with more of our friends from around the world who will be joining us as back-to-back staff, mission trip members, community members. We are going to celebrate together and we can't wait for you to join us. It's always a really fun night and we do the same thing we do here. We share stories of everyday people who are being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Summerlin and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. One of my favorite topics in the world today, Sammy, did you know that I have loved to read since I was like super small? I did not know that. I also love to read since I was super small. Just today I had a conversation about my love for bookstores, the way they smell, the way they sound. I could just wander for hours, but I also used to love the Scholastic Book Fair. Yes. And book orders, you know, the little papers Mm -hmm. where you got to like circle what you wanted. Where did your love of reading come from? It's a great question. I think um, it would be from my mom and her passion. That's where I learned the example of reading. Okay, from my mom. She was an avid reader. And I can't remember a season when I didn't love reading. It felt like story has always been part of my life. And that the way that I could find story coming alive in my own imagination where I could paint the picture of what the character and the scene and everything was came through reading so seamlessly. I used to have my mom sign. My mom was who inspired me as well. And my mom signed me up for a subscription for the boxcar children books. So every month I would get four books and they came in a little cardboard boxcar and there were, I mean, there were hundreds of boxcar children books. So this went on forever. And I would stay up late and I would have one going at school and one going at home and I would read under my covers and the experience of reading and imagining that, which interestingly, I, I'm pretty sure now looking back there about a group of children, a family group of children who are orphaned and wow, that's interesting. wondering how that all huh. played into my later life choices. But anyway, I loved that experience too, of imagining the story coming to life and picturing it. And that's what we're talking about today is the way that we can be the difference literally by just reading with kids. Mm. And I looked up this article, we were, we were talking about this conversation and anticipating it, and I looked up an article from the Child Mind Institute, and it's called Why You Should Read to Your Child. And I, I think I wanna take a step back and just say, it doesn't have to be your child, no. a child, <laughs> why you should read to children. It's probably a broader and more fitting title. But some of the things that, we see as benefits are the obvious things. Like what would you guess would be some benefits that are in my article here? I would guess that by reading to a child, the child gets access to an extended vocabulary Mm -hmm. and understanding. Yeah, for sure. And part of that's because we read in books words that we don't read, use in everyday life, just because they're not typical to us as adults. So kids get access to vocabulary and Obviously, they have a higher reading level eventually because they've begun learning about reading earlier. When I was in college, I studied early childhood education. So we talked a lot about early literacy and even learning skills like how does a book open? Mm -hmm. Which direction do the pages turn? Where are the words located? All those are things you learn when you're little. But some other things that were highlighted is 
empathy and emotional awareness. Mm. And that that I think is something that's often overlooked in reading. What would have you seen that be true? I, I know that Back to Back Cincinnati did a reading program for a while, and actually I got to be part of that reading yeah. program, and it was COVID time, so that meant reading in the grass under tents. But what benefit do you feel like your team saw, not just in the area of like academic, but emotional? Yeah, the ability to have a conversation around an idea or a storyline that's not super intrusive on mm -hmm. my own creates a felt safety to then be able to empathize with a character or within a conversation. I can remember really early on, we had um, a couple of boys who were in some real wild transition because of COVID and impacting their school, impacting um, residents, narrative, uh, job tied, you know, family, mm -hmm. all of these things were just so up in the air. And one of our staff members, Julie, was the driver to and from the location that we were picking these young boys up from. And the behavior in the vehicle was overwhelming. And it was really just giving meaning to say, my, my life is in chaos. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to express that other than to show behavior. Julie picked up a set of books called Dog Man. <laughs> Um, which are a comic book approach to having conversations and connecting. And the transportation changed drastically because one of the older boys in the car would read to the younger while the three of them were driving home. And the topics within the book felt safe enough to be able to fully listen and engage and then to share that I felt that way mm -hmm. or this is how we're feeling right now. Or even one day, one of the boys was even just shared, like, I needed to laugh. I haven't laughed like that. And so the connection through the content created this healing conversation, even when it was on the road. Well, yeah, because stories give us a map. Right. They give us a map for somebody else's experience. And then our own experience is e easier to navigate because we've seen that map. I mean, it's the same thing that happens if I have a conversation with a friend and she says, oh, I've experienced this before and I've navigated it this way. And my brain says, okay, that's how somebody else did it. Well, that's what books do for us. Yeah. And they help us place ourselves in a story maybe we are already living and don't know, don't have words for, or we'll live in the future. Um, part of the reason that we're having this conversation is because our coworker and friend Beth Guggenberger has another book out, but it's a little different than her mm -hmm. previous books. In the past, she's written chapter books. Today, she's written The Heart Who Wanted to Be Whole, and it's a picture book for kids. So that's kind of what sparked this conversation. But also at Back to Back, we've been expanding this idea of literacy and education. And we've built schools now in India, Mazatlan, Nigeria, and Cancun that include libraries. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about conversations you and I have had, Chris, about disparity and lack of access and what can happen when a child has access to books. Right. Yeah, I think when we think about disparity, we often think of, of just simple access to books, right? Like mm -hmm. there are books everywhere. We should just get books into a room. I think there's some intentionality that is important around not only the topic of reading, but even this 
book called The Heart Who Wanted to Be Whole by Beth Kuchenberger is that there's an intentionality of a book that matters to me. Hmm. And so a book in a Hispanic context that's written in Spanish is different than just having access to a book that requires translation. A book that has representation in a multi-ethnic community of all of the um, ethnicities represented, a book that has gender representation of boys and girls and connecting and playing and a book that feels like I could look outside and it is my neighborhood or a book that takes me to a faraway land that I've never learned from before. All of these things are part of a conversation around disparity that we want to experience in equity when we're talking about reading mm -hmm. is not only do I have access to the resource, but do I have access to a an imaginative awakening that I belong through the resource that I'm being given. Yeah, a story I can see myself in. Absolutely. Literally see yeah. myself in the way that it physically represents me or represents my community, my culture, my home. Right. And how does it represent me? Does mm -hmm. it represent, am I always the victim? Am I always mm. the hero? Am I always over to the side? Like how representation happens is also, I think, very important in the books and, that we read and the resources that we get connected to. As you were mentioning earlier, I thought, and I don't know why I thought about this, but I've thought that one of the most powerful relationships that happens in my own family is um, my children with an, an older family member in their mm -hmm. life who would say that they are terrible at reading and have always struggled with reading even just because of a, like learning in their own journey. And I want to speak into that really quickly that mm -hmm. reading with kids doesn't mean that you have to be the reader mm -hmm. or that you have to feel great at reading. There are times that the proximity to the adult that's in the room while we read and turn the page with an audiobook can be just as important. Like a book read in our presence can be an answer as well. Because many of us would say, oh, here it is again. It's a disparity I experienced. Mm. I have a learning disability. Or I, I can't plug myself in. And I just want to speak into that really quickly that us figuring out ways to read together and be present with one another while a book is read is just as important as us being the reader ourselves. Yeah, that makes my uh, my brain go in a million directions. But one, another benefit of reading that was mentioned in the article is it's just attachment building. It's right. bond building. Right. It's connecting. Part of that's because when we do a behavior alongside another person and we're mirroring one another, we call that behavior matching, that actually builds connection. When you're standing beside someone at a soccer game and you're both cheering, when you're at a wedding and everybody's dancing, when you're sitting beside someone and you're both reading the book together, our brains hear this message that says, we're connected and we're safe here. And that is an added benefit of reading with a child, whether or not you're actually reading the words out loud, whether or not they're reading the words, whether or not you're looking at the pictures together and making up a story. That benefit and that advantage is still present and still valuable yeah and in, in my experiences what i found is the transfer that everyone belongs in the world of books is the biggest win this summer mm -hmm. we were running a, a neighborhood-based um program where we showed up at an apartment complex and we asked the tenants in the apartment if there were children who would want to work on reading over the summer 
if they would just want to join us two days a week in this little play area on the back of their complex. In a few days, my son Finn, who is six, um, would join in. And he, um, primary language is English. One of the participants who is there is a, has a first language Spanish speaker and second language English speaker. There were two or three grade levels apart. But I remember capturing a moment where on the last day, both boys were leaning in on a book. And this older boy is reading in his second language mm. to my son, who is then like picking out the words he can read too. And I'm watching this bonding and this unity happen between two boys who just met each other a few weeks ago around a book. And if I had said sports, that would have made sense, right? Like mm -hmm. these two boys bonded over basketball or soccer. Uh, they bonded over Dogman. It's the magic of Dogman. It's just <laughs> happening. But reading can connect stories that we would have found more difficult to connect without this shared language. Mm -hmm. So as we're thinking about ways that we can be the difference, that's so the conversation we're always having around here. I think sometimes we overlook the simple ones mm -hmm. that we can read with a child. It can be a neighbor, a grandchild, a, your own child, a kid you tutor at school. I think there's opportunities all around us. And if you want, I mean, one of the books you can read is this new book by Beth Guggenberger. And we're going to talk to her next week mm -hmm. about the why behind the book, about why it was important to put this tool in kids' hands and in parents' hands. But when I think about reading, most of all, I think about the ways that even if we think that somebody is beyond that age range, mm -hmm. like beyond the little kid, I'll read to you when you're young age range. I was thinking about um, when I lived at the children's home in Mexico, we started, well, we had to put 10 kids to bed in the same room between the ages of nine and 13. So it was just oftentimes mm. chaos. And I tried every strategy I knew to try and make it a more peaceful experience. And I mean, they're nine to 13 year olds. They're not necessarily in the picture book age, but I thought, okay, let's try a bedtime story. Mm. Like that's something I know to do with younger kids. And it was magical. They would stop, they would lay in their beds. They would not be jumping or putting on Halloween masks or hitting each other with pillows, which were the normal yeah, things they did. Yeah. They would listen and it was like it took us back to this, this moment that they hadn't gotten to experience before. Yeah and got to redo some of those stories that were missed. And I would encourage also our listeners to think it, it's not too late. It's never too late. And there's never a season that these same truths don't need to be spoken over us. Mm -hmm. I can resonate with what you shared. I've, I've been in youth, like youth ministry for over 20 years, and there was a season where I would find myself in a dorm room with high school boys <laughs> and adults mm -hmm. trying to get some quiet around the curfew. And the number one way that it would work is in the middle of all of this stuff that's happening, I would say, hey, boys, once upon a time, mm -hmm. and I would just start a story, and all of a sudden the room would get quiet, and we would tell the story together, and we would in, in some way read this story that we were writing as a group. And the grown men in the room would actually respond. Go, I have not told it or participated in a story in a really long time. And if you are in a season where you don't have children around you, 
it doesn't have to be find a way to read to a child. Mm. It could be give yourself the gift of a book and read for Mm -hmm. a minute. And Sammy, I would just ask you to kick it off for us. Yeah. Don't we have this book? We do. We have Beth's book here with us. So we're going to read the first couple pages and Mm. leave you on a cliffhanger because the heart who wanted to be whole starts out like this. This heart was created whole, solid, happy, free. The heart wanted to stay that way, but there was an enemy who had other plans. The sneaky enemy planned to hurt the heart with whispers. And it goes on from there. And even as I'm reading that, I'm thinking each one of us, whether we're an adult or a child, has an enemy who can try to hurt our heart in a world that hurts our heart. So this book is for all of us. So join us next week as we talk to Beth Guggenberger about the why behind this book and how she hopes it will impact hearts all around the world. We will hopefully see you at a night of hope on October 11th, and we'll see you on the next episode.